Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee Greenest state in the land of the free Raised in the woods so he knew every tree Killed him a bar when he was only three Davy, Davy Crockett Invisible, impossible, troublesome, massive mischief. Pete's Dragon. A motion picture full of adventure. And excitement. Beware of the evil Dr. Terminus. And his helper, Hoagie. Hide from the mean. Family of wicked wackos. Share an irresistible secret with Lampy. Dragon! Celebrate with Nora, a newfound friend. And live it up with the funniest, <laughs> most lovable dragon alive. Elliot! 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 My dragon! The best pal a boy could ever have. I love you too. Sing. with a wonderful motion picture. Walt Disney Productions. Pete's Dragon. Wow, that's great. You're the most wonderful dragon in the whole world. You're never too old to feel young. Pete's Dragon. Welcome, everyone to a figment of our imagination that is a Be Kind Rewind Disney Plus movie podcast. I, of course, am Dan Teets, and we have not one, but two co-hosts in the building tonight. We have back with us, after a long hiatus, the incognito mouse himself, Ichabod Bones. But you can call me icky what is up you guys it's been forever and a weekend oh my goodness it has been forever I've, I've been looking i've been counting down the hours till we had you back on man and of course we can't forget about our other full-time co-host oh that's me kyra Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we are talking not figment which might have made for a better movie <laughs> We are talking about Pete's Dragon, the 1977 fever dream, or that's what I'm calling it, and I may not be too far off in what I'm calling it tonight. I wondered if you'd say fever dream. Yes. That's like the perfect description for all the weird ones. Yes. <laughs> well, because cause we don't want to call it what we really think it is. Because, of course, they weren't doing that in 1977, were they? They stopped like 10 years prior. Did they? They probably were. 
Oh, hey. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out together. This movie was released November the 3rd of 1977. It did a paltry $16.1 million in initial releases, which was $79.4 million in today's box office. So Disney was trying to catch um, lightning in a bottle like they did with Mary Poppins because I was actually reading up a little bit on this, and they were hoping that Pete's Dragon was going to be the second coming of Mary Poppins. Can I just interject? Like, how many times have we said this? Um, Because we we said this about bed knobs and broomsticks Mm -hmm. and the happiest millionaire. Best (laughs) movie ever. I can't tell you how many times I thought of that movie while I was watching this one. Um, It was an embarrassing number. But, like, they just keep trying to do Mary Poppins again, and you just, like, they keep failing. Like, please stop. You can't do it. Yeah. At least not without Lin-Manuel Miranda in it. Right. This is the only time they came close. So, um, I don't think I ever watched this growing up. Really? I knew about it, but it was not one that I think our um, ABC affiliate had in rotation. Because I know I watched more Davy Crockett than I did Pete's Dragon, which is why that one still is at my top top five, top three movies of all time. So, either of y'all's initial thoughts, never saw it, didn't care to see it, don't want to think about it anymore after this? I think I had this as a VHS as a kid. It's just one that I watched over and over, and I loved it. I mean, had a little bit of a little kid crush on Helen Reddy for a little while, and... You know, Mickey Rooney is just great. I mean, star-studded cast, red buttons. I mean, razzle-dazzle day, that's just an earworm. I mean, I don't know. The dragon, little boys love dragons, and, you know, little red-headed orphan. It was just a perfect story. Maybe it's just a 70s, 80s baby type thing. I don't know, but I loved it as a kid. As an adult, I was like, wow, this is a long movie. And like we were talking about before, recording a lot of unnecessary musicals we can get into that more later but like what does this have to do with the plot of the story nothing (laughs) so kara initial thoughts um like i grew up aware of this movie but i'd never seen it i know that like i've always thought elliot was adorable i didn't know that his name was elliot until yesterday um Mm -mm. or two days ago when i started watching this movie i they've all blurred together um I did not love it. Um, I think maybe as a kid I would have if I'd watched it. But um, as an adult, I was bored. And I thought, at one point I thought, I wonder if Keaton would like this. And then um, it wasn't very long before I was like, I don't want to find out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... I'm I'm just, I'm going to touch real briefly on the musical portion of this, and I'm sure we'll we'll circle back when we get into breaking down the movie itself. Grayson and I were well. Grayson was working on homework for her for her masters, and I was trying to stay vertical to finish mm-hmm. the movie. And I was like, I think I know what the problem is with life now. We don't have enough people just breaking into song randomly on the streets about. <laughs> about things going on in our normal everyday lives and i turned to her and she's like no (laughs) but yeah you could you could tell that a that a show has 
is um, either jump the shark or wants to try to jump the shark when they do their own musical numbers. And I'm not talking about Glee because that happened in the very first episode. But um, yeah, there's there's so many problems that I have with this, but we will start breaking them down once we get through the synopsis, which is way too long for a well, It's a two-hour movie, so it's probably not way too long for that long of a movie. But So the synopsis, which as always comes to us care of Wikipedia, goes a little something like this. In New England in the early 1900s, an orphan named Pete flees the Gogans, his abusive foster family, with the assistance of an unseen force he calls Elliot. The family calls for Pete to come back and promises that they will treat him better, while contrastingly expressing their true intentions to punish him severely. And after they've abandoned their search, Pete falls asleep. The next morning, Pete awakens, and Elliot is revealed to be a large, cartoonish green dragon that can turn invisible. Pete and Elliot visit Passamaquoddy, where an unseen Elliot's clumsiness causes Pete to be labeled a source of bad luck. Lampy, a lighthouse keeper, stumbles out of a tavern and encounters Pete. Elliot makes himself visible, and Lampy, terrified, runs to the town folk. They dismiss Lampy's claims as another drunken rant. In a seaside cave, Pete reprimands Elliot for causing trouble. As they reconcile, Lampy, Lampy's daughter Nora appears, warning that Pete is not safe here because there is, an there is an incoming tide. When she realizes he is orphaned and not from the area, she offers him food and shelter at Lighthouse and the two bond. He learns the story of her fiancé Paul, whose ship was reported lost at sea the year before, and promises to ask Elliot to try to locate Paul. Itinerant quack Dr. Terminus and his assistant Hoagie win over the gullible townspeople who are angered by their return. Lampy and Hoagie attempt to prove that Elliot is real, but cannot get anyone to believe that he exists. The next day, the local fishermen complain about the scarcity of fish, believing that it is Pete's fault. Nora tells them the fishing grounds shift from time to time, and Pete should be welcomed into town. That night, Nora and Lampy argue over Lampy's claims to have seen the dragon, and Nora's beliefs of believing Paul will return, though Nora retains her faith in Paul. Later, Nora takes Pete to start school, where the teacher, Miss Taylor, punishes him for Elliot's antics. An enraged Elliot smashes into the schoolhouse, leaving a shape in the wall and frightening the townspeople. The incident of the school convinces Terminus that the dragon is real, and now he and Hoagie conspire to exploit Elliot for medicinal profit. Pete accepts that he and Hoagie, or ex I'm sorry, Pete accepts Nora and Lampy's invitation to live with them, and then the Gogans arrive in town and demand that Pete be returned, and Nora refuses to surrender him. As the Gogans chase him in a small boat, Elliot sinks it, saving Pete. Dr. Terminus teams up with the Gogans to capture Pete and Elliot, convincing the locals that capturing Elliot will solve all their problems. That afternoon, a storm blows in while at sea. A ship approaches Passamaquoddy with Paul on board. Dr. Terminus lures Pete to the boathouse while Hoagie does the same to Elliot. Elliot is caught in a net but frees himself. He retrieves Pete in a final confrontation with the Gogans, who flee after Elliot destroys their bill of sale. 
Dr. Terminus attempts to harpoon Elliot, but his leg is caught up in the rope and he is sent catapulting through the ceiling, ending up dangling upside down near a utility pole. Elliot saves the mayor, Miss Taylor, and the members of the town board from the falling utility pole, revealing himself to them. At the lighthouse, the lamp is extinguished by a rogue wave. Elliot returns and lights it with his fire, revealing himself to Nora. The light is ignored. I'm sorry, the light is ignited and the ship is saved. The next morning, the mayor and the townsfolk praise Elliot for his help and Nora is reunited with Paul. Paul explains he was a lone survivor of a shipwreck at Cape Hatteras and suffered amnesia, but somehow knocks himself out of bed and restores his memory. Elliot tells Pete that he, since he has a family now, he must move on to help another child in trouble. Elliot flies away as Pete and his new family wave goodbye, with Pete reminding Elliot that he is supposed to be invisible. The end. So, that was the movie. I don't really know where to even start with this, because it was, like I said, a fever dream of a movie that, when you have a boy floating in the middle of the air to actually start the movie proper... <laughs> and I'm not sure where they were trying to go with that. And also, if this was filmed in New England, I thought people were cleaner up there than the Kogans were. I yeah, like... they seemed like some West Virginia, yeah, some people. Yeah, there. I I feel like there's they're everywhere. You have those people everywhere. Yeah, but when they get thrown in the I guess it was the ocean later on. They start complaining that they'd already had their bath in May. Oh, I miss that. I'm, maybe I'm glad I missed that. Yeah, that, that yeah was... I remember that. So, it was mountain people. Like, they would, should have been up making moonshine in the shack somewhere. Yeah, and it, and they and then they probably would have had um, Pete ending up working for them, making right. the moonshine, so that way they didn't blow themselves up with a still that was improperly constructed but that's a totally different gritty reboot that we don't need to see now do we know what the timeline is like what was the setting oh well, i early think 1900s right i believe so yeah it was early 1900s in new england so i don't know i to me it, it had a little bit of a little orphan annie vibe in the beginning with you know, mm-hmm. the red-headed boy and the, the orphan and the, the people who were trying to Malefic- maliciously benefit from him. Yeah. Malevolently. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yes, something like that. They they were trying to take advantage of his goodwill and wanting to um, use him for everything that they really didn't want to do, probably including bathe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my note on this is that it's just like the whole opening number is a song about how they want to abuse this kid. Yes. Which is startling. Lady B and I were talking about that. This was a G-rated movie, and they were talking about dismembering him and torturing him and doing all manner of terrible things in a G-rated movie. We thought that was kind of odd. Well, I mean, this was this was the way that it was with Disney films, because wasn't Treasure of Metacumbe rated G as well? Oh, you know, I think I scrubbed that from my memory. <laughs> uh, no, I, th- yeah, I think that it was, and we were surprised by that. Yes. 
So was there Icky? I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to rely on you since you're the since you're the Pete Dragon expert of the three of us. <laughs> was there was there any backstory as to how Elliot came to be with Pete? Because we just see him carrying him through the air, trying to get away from the Kogan at the beginning of the movie. Or was it I just really? he showed up because he needed help, and that's what he does? Yeah, I think it was just inferred, right? I don't think there was any explicit explanation other than just at the end where he had to go help someone else who was in trouble. I think it touches on it just a teen bit in, like, the song that they sing once they escape from the bad guys. Um, he, he says something like, I was, like, I didn't think I'd ever be happy until I met you, and then we just decided that we were going to take care of each other or something like that. Um, it's cute. Like, I mean, there was a lot of cute stuff in this movie. In theory, it should be great. Um, but I think it was weighed down by all the other, like, extraneous things that didn't need to be in there. This is a typical boy who has no friends or who is scared, so he creates an imaginary friend. But just in this version, it turned out to be real, which was very bizarre. And it wasn't a figment. (laughs) Yeah. So... How many words did Elliot actually say in the movie? Was it just one where he said Pete, like, at the very end? Other than that, it was mostly... Which I I think he said a few words. And, I mean, how how did Pete understand Elliot? Or was it kind of a Star Wars thing where Han understood Chewie from the very beginning, too? Or do we not... Or do we just not think anything about that and just let it go since it was a kid and his mystical magical and quote unquote imaginary dragon right yeah it seems like he's the only one that understands him mm-hmm. and he just does yeah he just knows what he means when he grunts so how big of a movie did this have to be to have thurston howell the third playing the mayor of passamaquoddy right Exactly. I mean, we didn't even mention him during the actual who was in this movie. You got Helen Reddy. You got um, Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney. Come on. Red Buttons. Red Buttons. Shelly Winters. Yeah. Shelly Winters and Thurston Howell III, which I can't. This... Jim Backus. No, yeah, Jim Backus. Yeah, this is a star-studded cast. Yeah. So, Pete comes into town, starts causing trouble from the moment that he walks in. Starts getting in trouble with the headmistress of the school, the run, the one-room schoolhouse, which it seemed like every child in there was well-behaved, and mm-hmm. I would give anything to have a bunch of kids that were that well-behaved, but we won't, we won't go into that. <laughs> Had a little bit of a little house on the prairie vibe mm-hmm. to it, didn't it? In the schoolroom scene, yeah. Passamopassi, Passamopassi, <laughs> <laughs> At one point, I thought, man, I should have been counting all the ways that they mispronounced that throughout. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did like when they first come into town and um, Elliot's invisible, but you can see, like, the effects of him as they're walking through, Mm -hmm. like, the steps and the concrete and, like, knocking things down. That kind of stuff always gets my attention. Um, it makes me feel like a kid because it's like, oh, it's, I don't know, it just feels magical. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I liked that, but that might be it. 
So, this was the third movie where we had a orphan or a bunch of orphans that were brought together. Because we had the Apple, Dump- Apple Dumpling Gang, the mm-hmm. Escape from Witch Mountain, and now this one. All of them had an orphan. Not that most of the Disney princesses weren't somewhat orphans, because they had the mother or the, some some parent died. So it seemed that they were going back to the well with this. And did you notice that Thurston Howell the Third was um? And we'll just keep calling him that because I don't know his name. <laughs> that he was smoking a green. Well, he was he had a green cigar in his mouth, which is another yeah. Disney thing from our favorite movie of all time no not that one the other one uh i didn't i didn't catch that it was like every time that he came out of the city hall or whatever he was chomping on it and it was like so green that it looked like it was a um leaf of kale that they had wrapped up for (laughs) for him to imbibe it was very green yeah so when Doc Terminus rolls into town, the one thing that I was happy to see was that he didn't try to pass himself off as an indigenous person. <laughs> oh, good point. Yeah, I um, made the connection to when this happens in Matacumbe. I was like, oh, here we go again with this. And th- then he had a 10-minute song. Like 10 minutes of this guy. With his, like, phony stuff. And when he first rolls into town and they're all like, here comes that jerk again. But then by the end of the ten minutes, he's got them all convinced that he's got everything they need. Ugh. Yeah. At least he wasn't dressed as an indigenous person, like you said. I hated this, though. Wasn't it strange that they live in a small town? Presumably, everybody knows everybody, right? Mm-hmm. But he just drags Hoagie up in drag, and <laughs> yeah. and all of a sudden he heals him not once but twice. I'm like, isn't that the same person you just had up there? And who is a stranger? Yeah, why doesn't anybody? How come no one's like? I don't recognize him. Yeah, isn't that your uncle's uncle Sim? Didn't didn't he live down the road and like moved off and came back? Yeah, it's it. Oh lord, but yeah. And to and to think that he'd already been through town apparently because everybody would was said here comes Doc Terminus and they were mad at him and they were yeah. mad at him but he couldn't pronounce Passamaquoddy worth nothing I know it was like he'd never been there yeah. but he had and then why did he ride a a wind powered oh that's right because he had to sell his horses to get out of trouble in the last town that he malpractice suit yeah. yeah so so how long did it take him to come up with the idea to actually turn his wagon into a sail wagon it was, <laughs> it, was it was a pretty ingenious little invention that you would have thought somebody would have jumped on and patented during the yeah. 70s as a alternative land vessel get 16 miles to the wind gust or whatever <laughs> 16 knots yeah, 16 knots. So Terminus comes in. He can't pronounce Passamaquoddy. And then good old Mickey Rooney playing the drunk um, lighthouse keeper sees um, Elliot and starts trying to tell people about him, not realizing that that's going to cause all kinds of problems. And then there's another 87-minute long musical where the you got drunk people 
spinning around on barrels and yeah. shooting off gallons of beer across the bar, mm-hmm. and nobody has a problem with this. That's not dangerous at all, right? No, because that was supposed to be the Step in Time musical. Right. Portion. I um fell asleep. <laughs> it was close. Um, honestly, so this is the first time in my notes that I wrote something um, like this 10-minute bar dance feels like the unnecessary, unnecessarily long bar dance scene in Happiest Millionaire. Yeah, which was also supposed to be the second coming of Mary Poppins or the third coming or whatever and the I... last Walt Disney film. Yeah. Yawn, big yawn. Um, yeah, they were sad. They're like, it was like every song felt unnecessary. Like, why are we singing again? Yeah, because the world needs a song, and you have to sing along, and that's all we're going to do now. But okay, side note, I just remembered this. Ah. Um, the candle, what is it called? Candle on the water. I'm gonna say candle in the wind. <laughs> Totally different. <laughs> the Candle on the Water song was nominated for an Oscar. Wait, which one? Where? What? Um, it's I the must one have fallen asleep that this one. Nora, the daughter, sings in the lighthouse, like missing her guy that is like glossy uh, or whatever. Um, it was boring. I I hated it. Um, but it almost won an Oscar. So this, it didn't win. It was nominated. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just an honor to be nominated. So Yeah. Uh, it, I didn't like it, but I guess they did in the 70s. Yeah. So anyway, Mickey Rooney comes in and starts talking to Red Buttons about the dragon. And they start toasting the rocks in the scary. And I'm just wondering how many more times did they toast the rocks and the scary for them to both be having to hold each other up while they're walking down the rocks and the scary to go see the dragon that nobody really knows exists except for Pete. And then they get down there and Hoagie doesn't realize that Elliot's got him on his shoulder until he turns around and sees the the green skilly. And then he gives him... What, a uh, 750 of liquor? A straight moonshine? <laughs> that was a huge flask. Yes. But if you're going to be on a on a wind barge with Doc Terminus, you probably need a huge flask to be able to survive. <laughs> yeah, At well. one point, Terminus says to him, I don't like you sober. Yeah. After he laugh. just told him, I don't like you drunk. So yeah. how do you like him? I did laugh a little bit at the scene where they're in the cave, like trying to find Elliot because he's like talking up this big, scary monster, which obviously Elliot is like adorable and not scary. But um, as he's like telling him, um, watch out for this. And he's so scary. And you can see Elliot's face changing like at first, I thought that he was like, oh, no, they're talking about me. But then I realized, like, no, he's getting scared listening to this. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's, like, hanging on to him. I thought that was funny. Like, the animation in this was fun. Um, I think maybe Elliot's the only part of the movie I really enjoyed the rest of it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, regardless, they find Elliot or Elliot finds them and 
they offer him a drink. Because, I mean, liquor and dragons, what can go wrong, right? <laughs> sure. And, I mean, this kind of had a um, moonshine bit from the rescuers because once Elliot took that huge flask all but one sip, which Mickey Rooney finishes off, it doesn't hit him right and he lights the place on fire, which of course scares the two of them out of their wits and Hoagie goes back and starts doing a bet, 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 bet with Doc and starts telling him about the dragon and this is where Doc says, I don't like you drunk. I don't like you sober. And then they have the 15 minute song about how much money they're going to make money, money, money by the pound. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that song went on way too long. About all the ways they were going to yeah. kill Elliot. Yeah. There were different pieces of dragon and what it cured. Yeah, I hated that. So who writes that type of a book that has that kind of information on it? And where do they find that kind of information? Probably in the same little shop that Mogwai, little, uh, what was his name, from Gremlins was purchased in. Hmm. <laughs> little Gizmo, that little, yeah. that little shop. Yeah. But yeah, it was like everything that they found about a dragon was just a an outstanding option to make more money. Because it was like, cures the cold, cures hair loss, cures, makes you live forever. And I'm kind of wondering what the dragon's heart does, because they never even talked about that. They just said they'll tie it up in a string and a bow, and think about how much that one will go for. Just like, yeah. Um, did you catch, so, when um, they've, it's after this song, I think, and he's trying to, like, con- Terminus is trying to convince Pete to give Elliot up or whatever, um, and he's like, I'll give you this stuff that helps you start puberty two years early. Oh, yeah. That's, said, That's way better than a dragon. What in the world? I That was, like, so strange. And like, I was like, what are they doing with that, first of all? Secondly, that feels really gross and problematic. <laughs> like, I, I, why is that good? And I, I don't know. It just felt gross, especially because, like, <laughs> Terminus is gross. And it's just like, oh, I don't like this. I don't want to think about that. And did was it just me, or did Terminus remind you of somebody that you couldn't put your think, finger on that you had seen in so many different movies? He reminded me of the um, bad guy in Babes in Toyland. Okay, yeah. I can't think of his name, but like maybe it was the mustache, but he just had like this weird cartoonish villain, like super creep vibe. Mm-hmm. I, he, he was gross. I didn't even like to look at him. Yeah. I kept looking back when I was taking notes. I was like, I know I've seen this guy in something. And, and it might have been the Babes in Toyland vibe since we just covered that like a couple of months ago. But why was Hoagie trying to outbid Terminus on the price of the dragon? He's like, I'll give him four. No, we'll give him five. He'll go crazy if he goes five dollars. For the for a dragon which teaches supply and demand on a dragon, and you've only got I mean, that would probably buy one shaving of a scale if you were to get into it. 
And this all takes place while Lampy's sleeping and Nora and Pete are out whitewashing the the um the lighthouse. The lighthouse. And I just had to think that Miyagi learned how to paint the fence <laughs> from Lampy. Paint up, paint down. Oh, it would have taken them forever to paint that whole lighthouse. Do you see how slow they were going? And they skipped yeah. the whole thing and went straight to the top. Yeah. And then but, they marched off singing Brazzle Dazzle Day. Yeah. You're not done. Yeah, they, 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 they got the bottom as far as they could reach, and then they all got on a little chute that Herbie needed to jump on. And that bucket was empty, by the way. If you notice, as they were going up, there was a shot from above. That bucket had a few brushes in it, but there was no paint or, or no whitewash. It was empty. Oh, funny. Mm. I love finding stuff like that. I wasn't paying close enough attention to see that. Yeah. So... Was 1879 the address of the of the um, lighthouse, or was that the year that it was built? Speaking uh-huh. of things that made me scratch my head every time that I saw it. You know, they did say the setting was in the early 1900s, so that may have been. I did see that, but I just assumed it was the address. Hmm. You're right, it may have been. The year it was built. It may have, yeah. So where does somebody go to get a bill of sale for a boy? <laughs> or do we just not even think about that? That's so weird. Like I, I didn't even have like I couldn't form thoughts at this point. I was just like, uh, they bought him. Yeah. Well, because at the beginning of the movie, they had that piece of paper, and I just thought it was like your normal adoption paper or your foster paper or something like that. And they're like, we paid $50 plus the 50 cent legal fees. It's like, okay, well, that's pretty cheap for an adoption. But, I mean, what do I know? I live in (laughs) 2022 where it cost a whole lot more than that to adopt a child or to foster a child, or whatever you're doing. And so then when the Kogans show up in Passamawati, Passamahoodie, Passamaquiti, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we got this bill of sale for this boy, and he's ours. And actually, they show a close-up of it, and it says bill of sale. And I'm like, where does one go to purchase a boy and then Nora's like no we're not gonna let you let, not gonna let you make him a slave Ooh. and I'm just like yeah and of course Elliot comes back and he knocks him all high and deep and gone into the river and this is where they say that they've already had their bath in May for the year and they were catching pneumonia and <laughs> Terminus yeah. comes along and is like well, do I have a deal for you? And for the first time in the actual movie, he doesn't try to sell them some snake oil that might make them all better, but he tries to make a deal with them to get them to give him the dragon if they get Pete. And so from there he goes and talks to everybody in town because nobody in town apparently likes him because he's driven away the fish. And I didn't really understand... So he goes and so Terminus goes and catches Pete because he was going to get oil, but he comes in with log. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> yeah, because Lampy had sent had sent him down to get some more oil for the 
for the lighthouse or right. for the light for the wick, and the next time that you actually see him, he's got a bundle of logs. And it's mm, like, yeah, that's sad too. And so he gets grabbed, gets brought back, and of course hilarity ensues because everybody is tied up in the nets that they're supposed to be using for Elliot. And so they use Pete as a as the bait and get him there. And this is one of the this is one of the coolest practical effects when Elliot actually shows up and they put the um and they drop the net on him and all the tarps and everything. And I kept and I kept waiting for like a peak of a head or something. Because mm-hmm. every time that he would whip around, you you would see where a head could have been, but you'd never actually see it. And so here's where Terminus goes and lights the fuse. And we have like a five-minute musical interlude, of course. It's a long fuse. Yes. How long is that fuse? And why did he not think that through before he lit it? Because I'm, I'm sure you're looking at the time on the movie to see how long that fuse actually was. And how in the world did he really get that rope all wrapped around his leg? Like, really? You would have to work to get that wrapped around your leg like that. It doesn't just happen, right? Well, I mean, if you're Bugs Bunny, it does. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I did think it was funny, like, when that happens and he gets, like, pulled through the building or whatever. um, I, I didn't see that coming, so that kind of made me laugh a little bit. Like, oh, okay, of course that's how it would end. He got what he deserved, I guess. Yeah, and there was a good old-fashioned goofy scream when he yes. got thrown out. Yes, I pointed that out. I noticed that. And so Elliot gets away. They And meanwhile, Paul's trying to get back to Nora. And for some reason, all of a sudden, Elliot's wings aren't working. Although he had no problems getting him to the lighthouse, he couldn't make it that last 13 inches to the to let him get in. And all of a sudden he's out of breath because he's stuck up going up the stairs. And I'm like, well, just go down and come through the window. What? I mean. Was yeah. it because like it was so windy he couldn't quite get there? Yeah. I think it was but, a storm coming in, yeah. Yes, there was a big storm uh, brewing in the water that almost killed Paul again. Yeah, we didn't even mention Paul, did we? Because <laughs> he gets talked about like once she sings a song and then we don't really hear that much about him again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they relight the wick because the wick had blown out because I don't even remember how it happened. Because Kelly right? brought wood instead of oil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The waves were just whipping up and everything was wet. He couldn't light a match because everything was too wet. Yeah. And so Elliot finally lets his flame go. And I actually, I thought that I saw flames coming up from the wick like three different times when he was trying to light it. So why did it take three times actually blowing that much fire to actually light the wick? For dramatic effect? Had to be. Um, okay, so like I'm running through scrolling and um, I missed this um, when I watched this earlier, but there's like a long kind of a far off shot of the lighthouse and you can see Elliot's back end hanging out of the window of it. 
And like it's not animated. It's it looks like they've done some kind of special effect. Like it's a fake <laughs> fucking body hanging out of this lighthouse. I I was gonna say I don't know how I missed this before. It's because I wasn't paying close enough attention. Shark <laughs> but still looks fake. I'm, it, I'm like that's pretty cool. So they re- they light the wick and Paul sees it and we fade to black. And the next morning, everybody's happy with Elliot. And, of course, he can't be seen because he doesn't exist. Because it was all a fever dream. (laughs) And so next thing we see is Paul come up. And he embraces Nora. And he says he was in Cape Hatteras. Which, I'm not big on geography, as I used to be. (laughs) But... There's a pretty far piece from New England to North Carolina. Quite a ways, yeah. So how did Elliot actually find Paul? If he was just because that part doesn't really get discussed. All that you, all that he sees is Paul says, "I got knocked out of my bed and I hit my head again, and everything came back to me." Well, he was back. Was he not back in a boat at that time? Like he lost his memory. In Cape Hatteras, right? And then he was on another ship somewhere, but we don't know where, I think. That's kind of what I understood. Like, he was oh, okay. he was maybe on his way back, and maybe Pete, like, flew around and spotted, spotted him somehow? He used his spidey senses to, like, triangulate. We'll go with that. <laughs> so, they all live happily ever after. Paul ends up shacking up with Nora. <laughs> <laughs> Because they all they they walk off at the end of the movie hand in hand and hand in hand. Yeah. And Elliot disappears because he has to go find another child that needs him. Setting up Pete's Dragon Two Electric Boogaloo, <laughs> coming soon to Disney Plus. Yes. And nobody wanted to see that. No. Um, I liked. Well, this is kind of a more of a theme than a part of the movie, I guess. But um, I really like the idea of found family. Um, I liked how Elliot kind of meets that need for Pete. And then it's like, I got to go on to help somebody else. Um, I don't know. Just like the the storyline of like somebody being alone in the world and then like finding their people. Um, is really appealing to me. No one asked to that, but I told you. Makes you wonder how many kids has Elliot helped, and how many times mm-hmm. has he bonded with a boy or a girl, a child, to then help them, and then have to leave and find another one. Yeah, that'd be sad for him, right? It had to be. And once again, Disney missed a golden opportunity with a Disney Plus live-action adventure movie or adventure show starring the many adventures of Elliot. I was going to say this, like, while I didn't really enjoy this movie, um, that is a that is an intriguing idea for a show. Mm-hmm. Could have been, yeah. I'm trying to look. It was based on a unpublished short story, Pete Dragon, Pete's Dragon in the USA. Mm. Unpublished. So, how did Disney get their hands on it if it was never published? Did Elliot just fly it in and drop it on his desk? Question. 
Maybe they got it from Doc Terminus. Yeah, possibly. And rolled into town. Yeah. But yeah, th- this, I mean, I'm, now that I'm starting to read more on it, I'm trying to figure out how they got their hands on it, why did it, why, because they actually wanted to make this into a two-part episode of the Disneyland TV series. Mm. And then it was revived as a musical film in 75 and was released in 77. You know, I think this would have been more enjoyable if it hadn't been a musical. I'm curious, like, I, the the new one, new, the 2016 one isn't a musical, is it? I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't know. I, I was, I was talking with Icky about this last night or sometime this week, and I was like, I'm sure, I'm sure Kyra has seen it, so she can be our voice of reason for the 2016 version. No. Well, okay, according to Wikipedia, it is not a musical. Um, it does have Bryce Dallas Howard, which makes me think. Maybe it's worth a try. I like her. Well, I mean, she does know her way around some dinosaurs. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Everything is interconnected. Everything is intertwined. Because they're not Disney. Maybe by the time we get to to then, Disney will have bought that. Yes, but that will be in another 20 years. So, I did have one thing that I somehow skimmed over. When Pete first comes to school, he tries to talk his way out of school by telling his times tables and his addition tables for nines, and then says that he reads the name of the town as Passamaquoddy, as if those three things are supposed to impress a teacher to say, oh, well, yeah, you've learned all that you need to. You don't need to come to school here. And then when when the teacher actually does let him in, he gets... Six wax with the knuckle cracker, and then another three, and then he was getting ready to get, I can't remember what the name of the the tannin switch or whatever it was. Yeah, she was going to spank him. Yeah, but but she but she said, first, you now you taste the knuckle cracker, now you need to taste the whatever. And it's yeah, like, and it's like, you were given three, you were given three, three swats for having an imagination. That teacher, okay, the only likable scene with the teacher was the tension between her and Nora and how they're kind of like gritting their teeth, like, mm-hmm, um, like they're agreeing, but they're really not. Um, and then she just immediately goes into like physical and emotional abuse, like puts him in the dunce cap and like embarrasses him. I hated that. Like, I actually thought of you. I was like, I know that if any teacher did this now, it'd be trouble. Well, yeah, because any teacher that um, causes any kind of physical, well, not abuse, because, I mean, when I was growing up, it wasn't unheard of to get sent to the principal's office for a spanking. But Mm -hmm. nowadays, you don't give corporal punishment. You definitely don't give capital punishment. Well, you're, you're, you're not supposed to. Let, let, let's let's leave it at that because I saw you put your finger up. You're well, not supposed to give corporal punishment. Our but, school district actually has it as an option. Hmm. You have to opt in as a parent. You fill out a thing, and yeah, I I hate it. I hate wow. it. Wow. Yeah. 
they brought it back like 10 or 12 years ago. I mean... <laughs> but yeah, she she definitely goes from one extreme to the other. And it, it wasn't... There wasn't any middle ground. There wasn't any redirection. Oh, well, maybe you need to be doing this instead of using your imagination. Maybe you need to concentrate on your 10 times tables. Mm-hmm. So that way you can impress the ladies with that. Because everybody knows the ladies love the 10 times tables. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was... The, the the teacher, she had her students in line, I think mainly because they were all scared of her, which is not a good way to be a teacher. Of course, I mean, what do I know? I've been a teacher for six months. But, <laughs> but again, it, it calls back to Orphan Annie with the orphans being afraid of Miss Hannigan. Mm-hmm. And all, good morning, Miss Hannigan. That's exactly what I thought of. Yeah, but she did definitely have them walking in lockstep, and they knew how to approach her, and that's all I'm going to say about that, because she, I mean, she kind of gave me the the Catholic nun vibe oh, with, yeah. the, with the cracking of the knuckles, because, I mean, I think we saw that, I was going to say, in Sister Act, but I don't know if that was actually done mm. in that or not. This was early 1900s, though. Different yeah. time, for sure. Yeah. Also, did you catch when Elliot busted through the side of the school and there was a perfect outline of his body, like some kind of Roger Rabbit nonsense? Mm-hmm. Yes, that was actually kind of funny. That was fun. Which, since he brought up Roger Rabbit, was Elliot in Who Framed Roger Rabbit anywhere? Do we remember that? I don't remember, but I bet he probably is. Yeah. So... Now, does anyone have anything else to add? Um, Elliot was named after Elliot Gould. I read that. Elliot Gould, Monica's father on Friends. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Where did I read that? I know. I did. I know. I didn't imagine this. Well, it had to be on Wikipedia, and we know Wikipedia never lies. Was, honestly <laughs> oh um yeah he named the dragon elliot after elliot gould who was a friend from his theater days hmm. okay icky i thought the one gogan boy looked like the old caveman from the was it progressive commercials gotcha. so simple even a caveman could do remember those caveman commercials yes. from like 20 years ago that's what he reminded me of one of those cavemen Yes, that the both of those boys gave me creeps. They 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 gave me stranger danger vibes whenever I saw them. How much work did they expect a whatever eleven twelve year old boy to do? Like really, he's going to do the entire farm work for a whole family? Yeah, because <laughs> you're supposed to have three kids by the time you're fourteen. So because you died well, at twenty five yeah. back then, but That's we true. won't get into that either. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why Doc Terminus wanted to help him start puberty sooner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yikes. Okay. Elliot makes a cameo in the Who Framed Roger Rabbit special edition DVD on a menu, but does oh. not film itself. Womp, womp. Well, we'll get to Who Framed Roger Rabbit in three years. Oh, I can't wait. For real? Yeah. Probably, because it, it, it's a Disney film from, what, 
eighties, nineties? Eighties, I think. Yeah. And considering considering we're covering every Disney film that is on the archives, plus anything that has touched town, um, Marvel, Star Wars, we are branching out because we are Groot. <laughs> well, we'll get to Roger Rabbit when we get to 1988. Okay, there we go. So, does anybody have anything else that we've missed or needs to cover before we jump into the all-important questions three? Um, I liked the phrase superstitious ding-dongs that Nora uses to, like, she tells the men or something that they're just superstitious ding-dongs. That made me laugh. Um, that's it. <laughs> Icky, you got anything else to bring from your childhood? Mm, no. I mean, I loved that movie as a kid. I really, really did. I think it has an appeal for, kind of like you are saying, for kids. If I hadn't watched it as a child, I probably wouldn't have liked it nearly as much as I do now. But it was just great. All right. Well, then we will jump into the first question. What is today's impact on the movie. We do have the 2016 non-musical remake. I mean, this is, this is a movie that everybody knows about, but not everybody's watched, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, is it... Icky, did you remember seeing anything from um, Walt Disney World or anything regarding Pete? I believe there's a float in the Main Street Electrical Parade Okay. of Pete. Oh yeah, Elliot, rather. Yeah, we're 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 getting into the Frankenstein and the monster deal now. Right, right. But uh, other than that, I, I don't. Not that I know of. All right. Um, is this movie mirrored in culture? This is tough. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we see. Well, I mean, obviously, dragons are still popular. So we've got that because you have a whole um, George R. R. Martin pantheon of dragon-related things on HBO now, which one day will probably be owned by Disney. Wouldn't it be funny if they replaced all of the creatures in that with animated, like, Elliot's and the like? <laughs> probably be able to watch that. Yeah. Until they start getting angry and start blowing the 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 fire at people, and then it'll become another episode of Too Scary Didn't Watch. <laughs> so, does this movie fit into today's society? Well, I mean, he did have pink hair, so he was a bit ahead of his time, right? Yeah, and Doc Terminus tried to buy his hair off of him whenever it fell out, right? For whatever it was that the hair helped you do. I don't even remember what it was. It shows us that it would, that it left an impact. On it. Uh, uh, yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and let Elliot go to sleep because he's had a long ride from Cape Hatteras to Passamaquoddy. And next week we will be back with another Jodie Foster flick. Oh, boy. We are in for Candleshoe. For the next movie, which I actually think I have seen once prior to the rewatch. Mm. Now, what it's about, I don't know. I can't tell you. I just know it's Jodie Foster because she's on the um, the little um, image that pops up. 
I think it's a mystery movie set in a haunted house or something. Hmm. Not that Disney Heard knows it. anything about making those kind of movies, but right. Yeah. Unless they're involving Muppets. <laughs> well, I know what I'm watching tomorrow. There are no Muppets in Candleshoe. I'm sorry, Kyra. Or are you saying you're going to watch Muppets Haunted Mansion? I'm saying I'm going to watch Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to put off Candleshoe for as long as you have to. I don't know. Maybe I'll like it. But like I, said, I don't know. This movie made me want to watch something else. Yes. So that's where I'll start. So... While since you brought that up, before we go ahead and sign off, what would you say that people need to spend time watching instead of this movie? Uh, well, we did talk about Robin Hood before we started recording. Um, that's never a bad decision. But like, if you want a dragon movie, How to Train Your Dragon, what, are there four or five of them now? They're all they're all good. But the first one is, is like extra sweet. I love it. So, since both of you have teenagers in your house, would you subject your would you subject them to? The- no, I don't think it would keep their attention. Not even with the dragon. Maybe with the pink hair, but other than that, no. All right. Well, we'll try again next week with candles. But since it is the end of the show, it is time for us to say, stay safe, stay hungry. And stay out of the road when you see a wind-blown car coming down the road. (laughs) I was trying, guys. Not all of them are going to be good ones. (laughs) We'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. This kid Pete would, would sell it. Money talks. First there's a dragon, now he tells me money talks. Will miracles never cease? Dragons, 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 dragons. <coughs> List of useful parts. Claws, ears, tongue. Hey, this could be a very profitable business. There's so many cures from bits of dragon. <laughs> Dragon whiskers, dragon toes, a dragon tooth, and a dragon nose. Every little piece, every little piece, we could make a million by slicing him, dicing him. Hoagie, we could sell every little shell. There's enough of him to go around. Money, money, money by the pound. Every little piece, every little piece, I can take a scissor and clip him up, rip him up. Every little part is a work of art. Think of what a dragon heart would bring, wrapped up in a ribbon and a string. 
dragon liver can cure a cold. Dragon powder grows hair. With dragon blood, you'll never grow old. Every item is covered with gold. Every item is covered with gold. Every little piece, every little piece. Dragon, you're my wagon to destiny. You're my key. Every little shred moving me ahead. Every dream of mine will be fulfilled. Dragon business we can build. Dragon cartilage keeps you thin. Dragon fat is for burns. A dragon tear will clear up your skin. Watch the profits come rolling in. Watch the profits come rolling. Every little piece, every little crease. Dragon, I'll buy him up, tie him up, drag him from the cave, show him that I'm brave. I'll bind him up, grind him up, lop him up, chop him up. Can't you hear that jingle jangle sound? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's money, money, money by the pound.